Hello and welcome to my pal. My name is Amara Warsu. I'm an academic clinical lecturer based at the University of Liverpool. This special edition of my pal was recorded specifically to support educational content for a session I delivered about writing for publication, which was presented at the Merseyside and Cheshire Regional Audit Meeting for Palliative Care. If you like what you hear and you're interested in finding more about the podcast series, then check my out my website, which is www.amarawasu.com. That's spelled A-M-A-R-A-N-W-O-S-U. Alternatively, you can find the podcasts direct from SoundCloud by going to soundcloud.com and searching for my pal directly. Alternatively, the podcasts are hosted on alternative um, podcast hosting services such as iTunes, Beyond Pod, and Stitcher. Once again, thank you for listening to my pal and enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to My Pal, a podcast about technology, innovation and palliative care. I'm your host, Amara Warsu, a speciality trainee in palliative care in Liverpool in the United Kingdom. On today's episode of My Pal, we'll be talking about publishing in palliative care and why I believe this is important. Now, publishing is important because if we want to change practice, we need to disseminate and implement findings. The aim of any form of presentation is to share information. And the way we do this will have to be tailored towards professionals, policymakers and the public. Now, up and down this country, around the world, I know that there are lots of excellent work which is going in in hospices, in community settings, in hospitals involving palliative care. And you know, may, a lot of that work may not be published. May, a lot of that work may be disseminated in some form of fashion, but not journal publications. Now, we go to conferences and we have posters, and posters are great. You know, conferences are great. It's a great opportunity to go and to see a poster with the findings that somebody has. But the problems that posters have is that they're temporary. You can only see the poster if you go to the conference. And at the end of the conference, the poster comes down. Uh, Not all posters are printed with abstracts. And sometimes they can be overwhelming, especially if you've been in several hours of talks. And frankly, just because they're overwhelming, they can be boring. Because if you're having to look at poster after poster after poster, sometimes it loses its impact because you just might be overwhelmed with thousands of posters. Now, in terms of publishing our findings in research papers, these have certain benefits. One is that they're searchable. They're also permanent. So if something is published in a peer-reviewed journal, it's there forever. 
If it's retracted, then you have a retraction statement when you search for it online. They're citable, so you can quote somebody, you can reference somebody. They're international, so if I publish something here in the UK, somebody in Canada or Sweden can search my work. Journals, there are peer-reviewed journals, so if you publish in these, then that means that somebody else has to look at your work and often make comments, which then allows you then to try to improve your work. It adds to the evidence base, which facilitates change and also similar work in other settings. So I think it's essential that if we're doing projects in our settings, in palliative care, that we strive to try to publish or at least disseminate this in some fashion. And in terms of publishing, there's lots of different ways we can do this. It's not just systematic reviews and full research papers. We may have letters, we may have short reports, we may have case reports, you know, literature reviews, which might be narrative and systematic. And I think in terms of letters, I argue that we don't write enough letters. And letters can be very impactful. And Catherine Sleeman um, from King's College London you know, wrote a letter um, in it that was published in, in The Lancet a year or so ago, just highlighting the lack of research funding in end-of-life care. I think she highlighted how 0.27% of cancer research spend in, in the UK went on a part of care. And just putting that into text, putting that into a, a major journal, made people actually go, well, look how little palliative care funding this gets. And now that we've got something that we can now reference, it appears in, in, in documents where people need to, to demonstrate how little palliative care funding is, is awarded for research projects. In terms of audits, you know, many people do audits and may think, well, these aren't, you know, journals won't be interested in this, but some journals don't publish audits, but many do. So it's often worth not not being put off by the fact that you've done a, an audit. If you've done a really good audit, then this can add to the evidence base. And there are lots of examples of audit which can lead to best practice. I think as well that this is a digital age. You are listening to, to this podcast, uh, which is a, a digital medium. So there are digital ways that we can share information. There's social media. Um, there's podcasts like this one. There's YouTube, where people can do short summaries. Uh, this allows us to look at an audience that are beyond the traditional publishing um, realms, where often you know, people ha may have a lack of access, may not be able to afford the, the subscription fees. Uh, so the internet now provides us with an opportunity to maybe think, well, actually, if we do want to talk to the public, how you know, can we use these mediums to try to develop content that is for them? Also, we have websites like eHospice, which are which are essentially a palliative online newspaper. So, you know, if we've had an interesting piece of work in one centre, we could contact the eHospice team to see whether or not we can write an article for them. So there's lots of different ways that we can try to disseminate our output, I, I believe. Now, in terms of writing papers, this can be very daunting for people. And when doing a project, it's often worth thinking down the line of, well, you know, how can we publish this? Who will be interested in this? Which 
journals are out there which might be interested in in this project and and for that it, it's been aware of what the journals are already publishing and what the readership of that audience is um, I think it's important whilst you're going along to keep a record of what you're doing uh, and keeping accurate data as you're going along so that when you come to write up your methods that you're, you're clear about how you conduct that project. Really in terms of publishing it's, it's important to identify a target journal first and then write the paper for that journal and pick the most appropriate journal for the paper. So rather than say well you know the Lancet is the it's up there, the British Medical Journal, the New England Journal of Medicine, they're fantastic journals, so let's, let's write my paper for them. It's, it's thinking more critically of, well, I've written a paper about rehabilitation, supportive care and cancer might be a more appropriate place for that journal to go to. And then having a look at what the requirements are for the manuscript for that particular paper, and writing the paper for that journal. Otherwise what you end up doing is writing a, a generic paper which then when you try to submit to the journal you hit problems because the formatting's not right, the length of the paper's not right, the references haven't been done properly, little things like do they want the references in a square bracket or a curved bracket before or after a full stop, all these things matter. It's also important to ask for advice. So if you're not comfortable writing the paper or have lack, a lack of experience, there will almost certainly be somebody in, you know, who you work with or in your, in your team who has. So it's trying to find somebody that has some experience of this. Also reading the, the author guidance thoroughly. And if you're in a team, maybe identifying one person to take a lead role of writing the paper. And, and if doing this, then... Try to clarify the names of the authors early on to avoid any arguments further down the line. Asking for local peer review is, is good because this means that other people will be able to see um, how you could improve your paper before it gets to the journals. So like I mentioned before, in terms of writing your paper, if you are going to do a poster, try to look at your poster as a pre-paper so that if you look at it that way, then essentially your poster becomes an advert for a paper that's, a, that's going to come further down the line. So this means that when you then come to write your paper, rather than having a blank piece of paper, you have a, your poster that you had for a journal as your basis for the paper that you're about to write. As I mentioned before, write according to the journal style, according to the formatting, word count, referencing. And if you... If you can, it's, it's probably best to use citation manager software such as EndNote, Reference Manager, whatever's available. I, I know that some of the subscriptions for these can be difficult to obtain if you haven't got a university access, but there are free alternatives on the internet like Mendeley, which you can use uh, as a reference manager. In terms of submission, this can take a long time, and often you have to upload the documents separately. So you may have to upload your text and then your figures and your graphs and your tables. So rather than write it all up as one, a whole document, just it might be worth, if you've identified which paper that you want to send it to, checking out the submission process early on so that you don't end up spending lots of time doing a beautifully formatted piece of work with all the, the graphs and the, the diagrams 
neatly ordered and then realize that you actually need them as separate files. Also, to check the resolution of the files that you need, often they want high resolution graphs and, 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 and figures, which might be in certain computer file types, which you might be unfamiliar with. It might be a TIFF file, for example, with high resolution, and it's about trying to work, and, and sometimes you might need to uh, ensure you have things like Photoshop or, or how to use Paint so that you can achieve those requirements. You often need to have declarations as well for, for papers, so before the article goes off, some journals want you to have a piece of paper with all the author's names signed. Other places are happy to have an electronic signature from the lead author. It's worth checking that out as well, especially if your authors aren't all in one place. Uh, in terms of the outcome, there is a variation between the different journals. So say for in, in, in palliative care, um, palliative medicine might take an average of 10 weeks um, and BMJ, SP, care might take an average of 7 weeks. So it's to, it's to know that it's a long process and it's not just a simple case of sending off your manuscript and expecting to find out whether it's been accepted or not You know, the, the next day. Also not to be discouraged, you know, 70% of research articles are rejected. But the aim is just to keep on going. You know, if, if, if it's rejected, then make the improvements and send it somewhere else. In terms of the peer review, I, my experience is that peer review is generally helpful. But just to be aware that you don't need to agree with everything that the peer reviewers say. Um, I find it helpful that when you are responding to peer reviewers to draw a little table up showing how you respond to all their comments. Uh, even if you say, well, thanks for this comment, but I've chosen not to make a change because of this reason. And I think if you do this and you can satisfy the reviewers, your article will be accepted eventually. So thank you very much for joining us today, my pal. Hopefully this was useful to you. As I mentioned, my name's Mara Warsu. I am a specialty registrar in Liverpool. And the music on my pal is provided by Year of the Fiery Horse. If you need any more information about my pal and myself for the Year of Fiery Horse, just feel free to click on the description of the of the podcast or to go to my website at www.amarawosu.amarawosu. I'm also on Twitter. You can find the links uh, to that of my website and this description. Until next time, goodbye.